Hi, this is Dr. Tony Cooper, and this is Life Without Baggage, Insights into Personal Wholeness for Spirit, Soul, and Body. I'm a psychologist in private practice. I treat adults. However, this is not a substitute for medication or counseling. If you're having thoughts of harming yourself or another person, or if this material triggers you, please contact your doctor or a mental health specialist to help you with your concerns. I'm continuing in this series on the kingdom of God, and today we're going to be focusing on the will of God. In the podcast today, I'm going to refer back to the definition of the kingdom of God, look at the overview of what the Bible teaches about the will of God, and then give you some specific and practical suggestions of how to discern the will of God for decisions that you're making. So first, let's go to the definition from Dr. Miles Monroe of kingdom. And so we're defining kingdom, but we're looking at the kingdom of God. So a kingdom is a territory ruled by a king, and the king influences and impacts the domain of his kingdom personally with his purpose and intentions, his values, his morality, his laws and principles which produces citizens who reflect the nature of the king in their lifestyle, attitudes, dispositions, and reactions, which allows the full expression of the king's nature, his glory, love, and wisdom, in order that we can be fully alive in him, body, soul, and spirit. So that's an overview of kind of where we're headed today. So let's look at some general principles. I studied quite a few verses on what the Bible says about the will of God, and I've picked out the things that I think are the most relevant, interesting, and kind of comprehensive. I'm going to be reading a lot of verses at the beginning here from the Passion Translation. Colossians 1 verses 9 through 12 says, This is Paul writing. Since we first heard about you, we've kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives, which is God's will, making you reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. We pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. Then you'll become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to his life. This is referring back to to John 15 about abiding. Yielding to his life and maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. And we pray that you would be energized with all his explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. So when the Bible talks about God's pleasure We're talking about God's will. We're talking about his intentions. And over the last several podcasts, I've been referring back to the idea that God's desire is to restore in us his original design, his original intentions. And that's another word for redemption or renewing or in Psalm 23 about restoring our souls. These concepts are all related. Some more verses about understanding the principles of what God's will is for us. This is, again, the Passion Translation, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And now, beloved brothers and sisters, 
Since you have been mentored by us with respect to living for God and pleasing Him, I appeal to you in the name of the Lord Jesus with this request. Keep faithfully growing through our teachings even more and more. For you already know the instructions we've shared with you through the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be set apart for Him in holiness and that you keep yourselves unpolluted from sexual defilement. So even back in those days, there was a lot of temptation. There was a lot of, I guess we might call it sexual freedom. The Bible calls it perversion. So to live for God, we're living counter to what our culture teaches us. And the Lord has very clear principles, very clear guidelines for what is healthy and what allows us to stay connected to him. We have the right to do whatever we want, but every right has responsibility and consequences. So we choose our behavior and the consequences will follow. We get the best results when we follow God's will because that will lead us to the greatest joy, the greatest peace, and the greatest satisfaction. And in most of the seasons, and eras of mankind. To follow God means to go counter to what your culture is feeding you. Here's some more scripture that gives us general principles of understanding how God thinks, understanding his will. This time I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm starting with verse 11. And God's gifts were varied. He himself appoints and gives us apostles who are special messengers, some prophets or inspired preachers and expounders of the word, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors who are shepherds of his flock, and teachers. God's intention was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints, that's you and me, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. We each have a gift and an assignment in the kingdom of God that Christ's body might develop until we all attain unity in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature, complete personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the completeness found in him. In other words, mature to be more and more like Christ. Verse 14, so then we may no longer be children tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine. In other words, trends in churches, trends in culture, that we would be stable and rooted, not fooled, deluded, or led blindly by other people or by traditions or philosophies that are counter to the will of God. And those are plentiful these days. We need discernment even as we select which church, which fellowship we want to take part in. And that includes online ministries. We need to be discerning. Not everyone who calls themselves a follower of God or a teacher from God, they're not all teaching the truth. 
And even back in Bible days, Paul had to warn the believers, watch out which philosophy you follow. So here's some more principles about understanding what God's will is. I'm back in the Passion Translation, Romans chapter 12. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Verse 2 is really critical. We can be defined by our culture. We can be defined by our past experiences or our pain. But we're cautioned in the Bible that that isn't going to help us walk in God's will. The way to know God's will is to be yielded to him. That's verse 1. And then to allow his Holy Spirit to transform us. And this requires us to renew our minds. So it says in Isaiah that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. We don't think like God. If we want to understand how God thinks, if we want to understand God's intentions, then we need to read the Bible because that's where God teaches us what his principles are, how he creates how he intends and designs kingdom to operate. And if we are not operating according to the kingdom principles, then we're following our own heart's desires, which can lead us into trouble sometimes, or we're following the culture or a person who may or may not be following God. So I'm going to remind you at this point that our relationship is not based on our works. We're transformed through our connection to our king. This is explained, I think, beautifully in Hebrews chapter 10. So I'm back in the Passion Translation, and I'm starting in verse 5. So when Jesus the Messiah came into the world, Jesus said, talking about the Father, Since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. So Jesus came to earth in a physical body to pay for our sin. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. We can't earn a place in God. So Jesus said, I will be the one to go and do your will, to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice even though the law required them to be offered. In verse 9, Jesus says, God, I will be the one to go and do your will, so that by being the sacrifice that removes sin, Jesus abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces that entire system with a new covenant. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah. So our reminder is our righteousness, our holiness comes through receiving Jesus Christ, being cleansed by him. And then each day we have a choice whether to follow him, 
be a living sacrifice, as it describes in Romans 12, or to follow our own lusts, desires, our own way. I'm reminded again of Bob Dylan's song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. So we can serve ourselves or we can serve God. But I strongly believe the greatest joy and fulfillment comes from abiding and living in the fullness of our resurrection life in Jesus Christ and the overflow of the Holy Spirit in us. So if I had to summarize what I've learned from um, the time I've spent looking at the scripture, that God's will primarily is about our character formation. It's about the principles of how to follow closely and live in the kingdom, connected to other believers in a meaningful way. That there are principles that we follow to live in the light and to please God with our time and our energies and affections. And a lot of it is attitude. So before I go into details, if you're trying to discern in a particular decision, I want to read what the Bible says about attitudes that help us discern the will of God. This again is from the Passion Translation, Philippians chapter 4, and I'm starting in verse 6. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell Him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. So we're reminded we we choose what to think about. We choose to focus on giving thanks. We choose to focus on our relationship, and we choose to stay in a position of faith while we wait for the answers. So what are the practical things you can do if you need to discern God's will in a particular decision? So I have three categories of suggestions here in how to discern God's will, because we do have decisions that don't exactly specifically have Bible verses that tell us where to move, what job to take, whether or not to rent to a particular person, whether or not to date a particular person. So the first suggestion is to position yourself in alignment with God each day. That's a choice we make each day. And that's done through prayer, through God's word, through obeying what we know, and through confessing our sins. Maybe you've heard the ACTS strategy for prayer. Prayer is A, we express our adoration to God. So that's worship. And again, we do that through being in God's word and praying. C is confessing our sins. We all have them and just acknowledging them to God and asking for forgiveness. T is thanking God for the things that he's doing. And S is supplication or your requests. And remember, 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
So don't wallow in guilt, confess your sin, straighten out anything you need to, and then keep going. My second point is do be praying about the decision you're making. And I'm going to share some verses with you that I pray and declare over myself when I have a decision to make. James 1.5 in the Passion Translation says, And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. The next verse I like to use when I'm praying for myself or someone else is Psalm 16:11, And I'm going to read that to you from two different translations. First, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. For you bring me a continual revelation of resurrection life, the path to the bliss that brings me face to face with you. I don't know if you've ever heard of Winnie Banoff, B-A-N-O-V, but she has a song of worship called Bliss. I don't know if you can find it on YouTube, but it's pretty interesting. So here's how the Amplified Version translates Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So God wants to show us the path of life. He wants to guide us into his presence. He wants to give us joy and fulfillment and help us make the right decisions. But remember, if you want to know God's will, we need to be yielded to him first of all, not just uh, to come to the table for a blessing, but that we are abiding in his presence. Another verse to declare over yourself is from Revelation 3.7. It's actually a quote from Isaiah 22.22. And it says, He who has the key of David, who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one shall open. So we can ask Jesus to close the doors that he doesn't want us to go through and to open the door that he wants. So sometimes if God closes a door, I'll be honest with you, I complain. I complained to him, but that is what I asked him. And then I have to confess, Lord, I did ask you to close those doors if they weren't right. So I confess that and I yield myself to your will. I'll just be honest with you, just because I know how to teach this doesn't mean it's not just as hard for me as it is for you. Okay, so the third point is make sure that you're connected to other mature believers. Remember, we read in that passage from Ephesians 4 that there's an order where God uses other people to help us mature in our gifts, to help us mature in our understanding of Jesus Christ. So there are different ways that people can find that connection. Some people are in a Bible study or a church or a home fellowship. Sometimes people find that connection through uh, volunteering in a Christian service organization or some kind of support group like Celebrate Recovery that's faith-based. But it's important that we be connected to other mature believers or we're likely to just go in circles and make the same mistakes over and over because we're not designed to live the Christian life on our own. So I'm going to remind you of some resources and then I'm going to pray. So some resources that might be helpful to you. If you want an interesting worship song, check out Bliss from Winnie Banov. I hope you can find that on YouTube. My podcasts on gifts from heaven, discernment, 
and wisdom. Also talk about some of the things I've referred to today. I have a couple YouTube videos on how to make great decisions and one called The Lost Teaching to help you understand God's commitment to us. You can find my books on Amazon and I'm giving away a free digital book called Suffering Insights into Faith. If you go to my website, you can just fill out the contact form and request that and I can send you a copy to your email. So I'm going to pray for us from Colossians 1, the prayer that Paul made. So Lord, I pray for myself and each listener that we would receive the perfect knowledge of your pleasure over our individual lives, that you would make us reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding in order that we would walk in the ways of true righteousness, ways that please you in every good thing, that our lives would be fruitful, that we would be pleased with what's happening, that we would be full of your resurrection life, and that we would be maturing in a rich experience of knowing you better and having overflow for every decision, every challenge, and every relationship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is Dr. Tony Cooper, and this is Life Without Baggage. If you enjoyed this, think about sharing it with a friend. Thanks for listening.